pay for $50, you can get an introduction like that too. <laughs> How many of you would like to see more of that? Wow. Uh, I get so, uh, you know, because what it does is it reminds us, it reminds me of where I once was. And, and believe me, if you knew everything there was to know about me, you probably wouldn't sit here and listen to me speak this morning. But then let's be honest, if I knew everything there was to know about you, I probably wouldn't come here and speak. <laughs> Jesus cast our sin as far as the east is to the west and remembers them no more. And we rise from the waters with a, fresh, with a clean heart and a fresh start to walk out this thing called the Christian faith. And my belief is if you truly believe that, you want to see more of that happen, then you're going to have to embrace what we're going to talk about today because I believe I'm here to speak to God's mailman. Now maybe you've never seen yourself that way before, but I believe the church, you're, you're, this is the post office here in Redlands, California, that you are gathered here today, and in God's infinite wisdom, he has called you out of the world, and you're in your seats today so that you can scatter to the streets Monday through Saturday and take the good news that you're hearing about here into your world. Each of you has a route, and in a little bit I'll talk more about what that looks like. But um, as I... Uh, Think about these ideas, and you might wonder where I pull them from. Really, from John chapter 20, 21, Jesus spoke these words. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That you are his sent ones, his mailmen, his special delivery people who are gathering here so that you can be equipped to go be the church throughout your week, Monday through Saturday. And the Apostle Paul certainly understood because here's what he said under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. So we have been sent, there's that word again, sent. Church, have you embraced that for your life, that you are a sent one? That God has a plan for you and a route that you are on and he wants to deliver his mail through you. Paul goes on to say, it is like God is calling to people through us. You see, the propensity of seeing more of this happen is directly connected to how many of you are leaving this building every week ready to show up in your Monday through Saturday world, ready to deliver his mail. I love what this 96-year-old woman she came to my workshop like I'm going to be doing this afternoon, and afterwards, she comes up to me, and I'm talking to somebody else, actually, and it was actually rather rude what she did. But at 96, heck, you can get away with anything. <laughs> I was talking to this other person. My back was towards her, so imagine me talking like this, and she was behind me, and she had a hold of my elbow like, I want to talk to you right now. And I'm like, it's not that I didn't want to talk to her, but I didn't want to blow off the person I was talking with. Finally, when I got done, I turned around and I go, yes, ma'am. And she said, Doug, do you know where I'm a missionary? I said, no, ma'am, I don't. She says, anywhere these two feet are planted. <laughs> and she was leaving my workshop. She said, Doug, I'm so excited that I was here this afternoon because I'm going back to my senior citizen's home where I live, and there are some people 
probably even in this next week, that are going to pass from the land of the dying into the land of the living. And I want to make sure their names are written in the book of life. And I'm thinking, wow, now there's a lady who's got it. I wish I could bottle that up. Because here she is, 96 years old, saying, hey, there's plenty for me to do. There's no time for retirement. Heck, we'll have plenty of time to retire in heaven. God has something for us to do. And when we grab a hold of this, this is where the Christian life really gets excited. But I'm just curious, how many of you have ever attempted to deliver God's mail and this is what you experienced? Anybody have that experience? Feel like the mail got returned to sender? In my book, if you get to pick up a copy, chapter 2, I confess my sin publicly. <laughs> I talk about 10 different spiritual conversation killers that I regularly committed, and I was, just, I was just blind to how I was coming across. Like one of the big things that God taught me is that in a conversation with, with this young, one young man I was talking to, he, he basically made it clear that the reason he doesn't like conversations with Christians is because they never listen. He said, you know what Christians don't get? He said, when they're not listening to me, I've chosen not to listen to them. And he said, you know what they really don't get? The whole time they're talking, I've already made up my mind. I don't want what you have because I don't want to become rude and disrespectful like you. Well, I used to think delivering God's mail was all about me just talk, 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 and talk some more. And I realized I really wasn't listening for heaven's sake. And so I realized one of the reasons why the mail was being returned to sender is because unintentionally I was communicating fundamentally a disrespectful attitude towards someone else when I wasn't listening. So if you feel like you're, <laughs> the mail's being returned to center, you might want to turn to chapter 2 and read that uh, because sometimes people are not saying no to Jesus as much as we might think they are. They actually could be saying no to the unappetizing ways we are presenting him. And unless we get clued in on that, we could continue to do the same thing over and over again. And you know the definition of insanity. You, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you know, you're going to get the same results. And that is the definition of insanity. Here's a picture, of, sadly, I'd say, a picture of most churches today that I go in and out of. The mail is piling up in the post office. In other words, people come every week. They hear all kinds of messages. Many times those are forgotten by lunchtime. And they're never kind of put into action. There's no shoe leather, no, no faith com combined. And there, there's a passage in the Bible that says, the word they heard did not profit them because they did not combine it with faith. And so many times the mail is just piling up and the post office, God's post office. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I, I do travel in a lot of churches, but let me share some research with you. A lady did some research on 30,000 churches here in America. That's no small study. And in her study, what was so sobering is there were only 150 churches out of the 30,000, that's one half of 1%, could report one or more adult baptisms in a given three-year period the rest of the churches a big fat zero 
And so when you ask the question, what do churches exist for? All the time and the energy there it's being spent. Are we just talking to ourselves? How many conversations are we having with people outside the walls? And don't think I don't live in the same world you do. I know we are living in an increasingly polarized culture. And these conversations are getting more and more difficult because it seems like, you know, people have just kind of got themselves in a position like, if you don't see it the way I do, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shout at you. I'm going to be angry at you. And in some cases, even demonize you because you don't see it the way I do. So this is, this is a bigger, bigger challenge in the culture that we are actually living in today. Well, that could be too convicting. We might want to move on. Um, this is a crazy thing, but, you know, I, I can just tell you, you, this would be no surprise to you, right? I mean, outside the state of California is kind of like everyone kind of perceives you guys, California, as a, as a place where out-of-the-box stuff kind of happens here in California. So I'm thinking, hey, if there was anywhere I could do this, let's do it in a church in California. I'm actually, by way of technology, inviting an atheist in here to speak this morning. And, and, and here's my big thought. If God can cause a donkey to speak, could he actually use an atheist to speak for him? And the answer is, of course, I, well, I guess he could, but it doesn't normally happen. But you make up your own mind. Check this out. Maybe some of you know this guy. He's on television. He's got a show called Fool Us. He also has a show in Vegas that is very well known, the Penn & Teller show. But listen to what he has to say about this whole idea of delivering God's mail, being serious about this thing called evangelism. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the, um, what I call the hover position. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. It was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way... It didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that 
and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible. What do you think? I know when I first heard this, I'm going, that guy just called us out. He says, hey, the songs that you've been singing here today, the thing that you say you believe in, Jesus, if, the, if you really believe that message, where you really get to prove it's not here, it's easy to do it here when you're gathered with people who all believe the same. Where you really get to prove it is out there where it costs you something. He's saying, hey, how much do you have to hate the people on your route to withhold this good news from them? And I think he's got a point. Maybe he understands the Bible better than some of us. He's making it very clear that if we really love Jesus and we believe people are going to heaven or hell, then why would we withhold this message from them? Let's deliver God's mail. Now, I can authentically say I know your pastor well enough to know that um, he really wants to equip this church to increase the quantity and quality of the conversation. That's why I've been invited in today, but he's also allowing me to do something else today, which is really out there. He's allowing me to introduce a new staff member who's going to be joining the staff here soon. And some of you are on staff right now going, I didn't know anything about this. Of course you didn't. It's a secret. And I get to introduce this guy because he's from our ministry. In our ministry, we call him the evangelism linebacker. Check Why him out. I want to be the evangelism linebacker. Well, let me put it to you like this. As a fish was created to swim in water, as a bird was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize. All right, it's all you. This house has got your name on it. I'm not ready yet. What makes you think I'm ready, though? It doesn't matter who rejects us because we're always accepted by Christ. God loves you! Get off the floor and go door to door! Can we talk to you for a minute? I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. Sometimes I'll blow you up, but it's because I love you. Yeah, but just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I need to be out sharing my faith. I mean, ah! Don't you run from me! Hey, I can't go to the outreach today. I got, I just got some more important things I gotta do. Uh-huh. Hey man, give me a break. I went to church on Sunday. I gotta go. Selfishness! The world needs a message! But God so loved the world, he wants to communicate it through you. If you procrastinate, you will open up the gate to a beatdown. Give me that phone, boy. When I see selfishness, it is my job to blow them up. That's what I do. I blow them up so that they can get their eyes off of self and look at Christ, the prize. What's up, baby girl? Nah, I'm busy. prideful to share their faith, what I do is I knocks the pride out of them. 
corner, perhaps even under your bed. I can be in a phone wire. I can be everywhere and just know that I'm always watching. Ready to lay the boom on you, baby. Booyah! <laughs> Give it up for the E-linebacker, huh? <laughs> Now, honestly, I don't know why you're clapping. Because if we're going to be honest, I'm thinking that a lot of you, if this guy really were coming to the church here, how many of you would start looking for another church right now? <laughs> you know, it, it could be possible that you might think that that's what I'm actually here to do, is to get you to become more like that. And the reason I say that is because the first time I ever did what I'm going to do here this afternoon, my workshop... It was up in Idaho, and five churches brought me in, and I came in early and spent some time at one of the local hangout spots, and I was, I was in there. These people invited me over to their table. There was a table about 12 people who said, hey, hey, aren't you the guy? I said, well, I don't know. Am I? I don't know. What are, you, what are you talking about? Aren't you coming into our town to speak? Yeah, I am. And so they buttonholed this guy right in front of me, and he said, hey, are you coming, Bob? And Bob kind of put his head down, kind of like, mm, no. And I could tell it was just really embarrassing for him right in front of me to be called out like that. So afterwards, I put my arm around Bob and I said, hey, Bob, I would love to know, what do you think I'm coming to town to do? What is it that you think you're saying no to? He said, you really want to know? I said, yeah. He said, oh, man, you evangelists are all the same. You wear fancy Rolex watches. You roll into town in a fancy car and you want to get in our pockets and take our money and... I, and he said, on top of that, you probably want me to get out in the street corner and pound the big King Jimmy and start shouting and yelling at people and tell them they're going to hell. I said, that's what you think I'm coming to town to do? You know, some of you probably have bumped into some evangelism techniques that have probably turned you off. It seems like this is a word that a lot of Christians and not yet Christians have a, kind of a similar attitude about. Well, many don't seem to like it. This afternoon, we're going to be talking about practical, doable, and authentic ways, natural ways for us to deliver God's mail and to the people on our day-to-day -day route. The question I'm often asked by God's people all over the world is, hey, how do I pull that off? How do I pull that off in my world? And how do I do it without weirding people out? So I don't get labeled at the office as one of those kind of Christians. Or in my neighborhood, or in high school, or college, or wherever you go, like, oh man, he, one of those kind of Christians. I mentioned that um, each of us have a route. And um, in a moment we're going to talk about what that is, but, you know, if you can't get out of this box, it doesn't matter <laughs> what route you have, because... Ultimately, people don't want to have conversations with people who are like that. Now, interestingly enough, if I walk outside the four walls of the church and I ask people, you know, if I went to Berkeley, if I went to, I was at the University of Oregon speaking last week, and if, I often do this with, on college campuses, hey, one word, just one word, what comes to your mind? Boom, first word pops in your mind when you hear the word Christian. Bam, there they are, judgmental, narrow-minded, holier-than-thou, anti-intellectual, condescending, homophobic, hypocritical, intolerant. So exciting to be here to speak to a group of people like yourselves, a bunch of homophobic, judgmental, narrow-minded, holier-than-thou kind of folk. I mean, what a privilege it is for me to be up here. Now, I know you don't see yourselves that way, 
But if you're talking to people outside the four walls and that's their perception of who you are, their perception is their reality. And unless you can get out of that box, you're probably not going to have many conversations with people and you're probably not going to deliver God's mail because it's going to be returned to center. They really aren't interested in talking to anybody who comes across that way. When I've been talking up here about your route, your route is where the rhythm of your day-to-day -day life naturally causes you to cross the path of those who are outside the faith, but they're inside your reach. Every one of you here today has a route. It's the family system you were born into. You're, you're going to be hanging out with them over Thanksgiving and Christmas probably. And if you're the only Christian in your family system, God, ha you know, God has called you out for a purpose, to deliver his good mail and his good news. You go to school or you go to work or you live in a neighborhood or you work out, you have some recreational hobbies that puts you in, in you know, close proximity to people. For me, uh, a place that I do that regularly is at my local YMCA. It's the largest YMCA in the world, 27,500 people. And uh, I'm a chaplain there, and I play table tennis. It's, I've had nine knee surgeries. I used to play basketball. You'd have to take that by faith. I used to travel around the world and play basketball, but today my doctor won't let me do anything but play table tennis. So I'm really into table tennis. And that's a place where I'm constantly meeting people who are outside the faith, but they're inside my reach. And I believe God has put me in that world to deliver his mail. And I believe he's put you in your world. Have you embraced that? Have you, have you said, God, thank you for the route you've given me? Have you embraced that as his plan for your life? Well, I'm thinking if you have, then you're probably going to want to embrace this passage because um, we need to be wise in the way we act towards those who are outside the Christian faith. We need to make the most of our opportunities. When I think of somebody who embodies this wisdom, I think of Ravi Zacharias, who, to me, um, he gets invited places most Christians do not. And he gets to speak on a lot of college campuses where often uh, speakers are shouted down or not allowed there. But he is respected because of his wisdom and the way he handles the conversations with people who are outside the faith. He has said this. I want to see if you resonate with it here in this particular zip code where you live here in California. Today we have to find the back door into people's hearts because the front door is heavily guarded. How many of you would say, yeah, I think that's probably true in my world. You feel like that's true here? Uh, I don't know. I don't live here. But uh, I think it, it rings true for a lot of people. And so I want to use an illustration from the sport of football, and I want to represent my, my team, the Buckeyes. Oh, my. I Oh, thank you for having the courage to step up in this crowd and do that. Let me tell you, when I was at Michigan a couple months ago, that didn't go over very well. <laughs> You know, when I told him, I said, I just want to find out if you guys are a friend of sinners. <laughs> well, you know, if you follow college football or any kind of football, NFL, 
that the game starts when the ball is kicked off, one team receives it, and then the runners takes off and they're trying to tackle him. That game starts when the guy catches the ball and he has to, the game starts where he catches the ball in the field, not where he'd like to catch it. And I'm going to say, if you're going to be wise towards outsiders, let's just realize everybody has a spiritual address. Everybody is somewhere in relationship to God. If you're going to be wise, you need to start where people are in relationship to God, not where you'd like them to be. Not everybody's ready to be invited to a church service like this. I think a lot of you know that. What are they ready for? Well, how do we engage people who are maybe a long way away from God? How many of you have somebody in your life who's very resistant, a long way away, back on the other end zone? You got somebody like that in your life? How do you, if you would, nudge the ball and move the ball down the field? Or how about somebody who's kind of like apathetic and they're kind of like, hey, if that's your thing, that's fine. Just don't push it on to me. Or maybe... There will be some people here for your Christmas service. They've crossed the midfield. They're curious. The biggest mistake we make is when someone shows just a little bit of interest, we tend to biggie-size the spiritual meal, and we tend to oversupply and kill the demand. Or how about if somebody were inside the red zone, and they were seeking? Do you feel like you know how to help them cross the goal line of faith, so to speak? Now, if you're a Buckeye fan, um, this is the sound you love to hear. As this indicates that the Buckeyes just put more points on the board. And uh, I don't think I'm playing loose with the scriptures. Does not the Bible says when somebody who once was far from God comes near that the angels in heaven rejoice? But what I've learned as I've traveled all over the world and spoken to God's people, so many of us feel like cosmic failures when it comes to this sacred work of delivering God's mail because we don't have any touchdown stories. Just like in the sport of football, you know, where they, they pluck the plays of the game, you know, that, that Hail Mary pass at the end of the game that wins the game. Those are the plays that are shown on ESPN's highlight reel. And there's a real tendency for speakers like myself, pastors and traveling speakers, to share their best stories because everybody loves to hear them. They're kind of like the ESPN highlight stories. The problem is that communicates an expectation to all of you that this is normal and this is what it really looks like every day. That's just not true in football, and it's not true when it comes to delivering God's mail either. You see, if you look at an average football game, most of the time is just being spent in the trenches. Sometimes the ball moves forward, sometimes it moves backwards. But the whole object of the game, of course, is to move the ball down the field. Good teams are committed to sustained drives and getting first downs. In the same way, I'd say in God's economy, he's crazy about sowing seed, watering seed, nurturing the seed. And if we get a chance to harvest, hallelujah. But hey, important announcement today, church. The whole process matters to God. 
And if we could just get our heads around that, instead of feeling like if we do have a conversation over the holidays, we got to go for the jugular and kind of, as some people say, close the deal. It's like, no. You know, the idea is to kind of be in the nudging ministry and say, how can I help somebody take the next step in their spiritual journey towards the foot of the cross? I think if you would think about your own journey, very few of you in this room came to Christ because in one big conversation, you didn't know anything about Jesus, and someone dump-trucked you with everything they knew about Jesus, and boom, right on the spot, you said, yeah, I want to do that. No, it's a process for most of us. And I would actually say if you evaluate how the kingdom of God advances, it advances one touch at a time, one conversation at a time, one aha at a time. Let me share a story with you that kind of ties all this together. And it's a story that uh, happened, uh, I, I call it delivering God's mail on the job. Have you ever seen uh, your job as a place to live out your mission? Well, years ago, I signed up to do something, probably one of the craziest things I've ever done. I decided as a missionary, I didn't have a whole lot of money, but I decided to be my own general contractor and build my wife and I's dream house. Had no experience. Some of you should be laughing and going, this guy is three fries short of a happy meal. But I had somebody mentoring me, and so I jumped into the process and said, God, protect me from my lack of <laughs> Help me, help me, help me. And so I not only prayed that he would help me build the house, but that he would help me advance his kingdom, because I knew there were going to be lots of guys on the job site who were not yet Christians. One day, a couple weeks into the project, my framing crew, five of them, uh, we were in our basement, and uh, we were talking, and one of the biggest guys on the crew says, hey, Doug, what do you do for a living? Well, I didn't think sharing the title that I have with Athletes in Action as evangelism trainer probably would maybe be a great way. Wow. Does that mean I'm out of time? Does that mean you want me to start the story over? I don't know what that means, but... You didn't want to see me dance. That would just be too, too ugly. <laughs> That's a first right there. Hey, if you were me right now, what would you do? <laughs> but uh, the biggest guy in the crew asked me this question, and I didn't think it was wise to lead with that, uh, that job title. And I said, well, hey, I appreciate the question. Could I go historical on you for a moment and just share what happened in my life? that set me up to do what I do today. So I want to give him a little context. And so I started to share my God story. As I did, he was kind of intrigued by that. And he, and he started to ask me a follow-up question. And immediately, the other four guys on the crew just began to dogpile on him. Oh, hey, guys, Ronnie wants to get some religion. Hey, Ronnie, going to get religious on us? And Ronnie, being the biggest guy in the crew, he wasn't taking no lip from anybody. He looks at those guys and says, Hey, what are you laughing about? You know you're going to be in hell with me someday. You know what was crazy? Nobody argued that point. <laughs> and I don't think it just because Ron was the biggest guy. I think it was because they knew each other so well that, that everybody knew each other's lifestyle and everybody just agreed, hey, we all deserve hell. 
Here I am, a guy who writes on this, talks on this. I've got five guys in my basement just confess that they're on a highway to hell. No stop signs, no speed limit. Nobody's going to slow them down. Thank you, ACDC. What do I say? Ron was interested, but the other four guys were mockers, and I was trying to think about what to say next, and before I knew it, the moment just slipped by, and they, the conversation switched and turned to something else. Do you ever feel like you just miss an opportunity? You just kind of like, oh, I just fumbled the ball. That's what I felt like that day. I went out and just said, God, I'm sorry. I just, I wasn't afraid. It's just that I just wasn't quite sure what to say in the moment. And then my failure, which, by the way, if you don't understand, if you've read my book, you know this, but I failed my way into writing everything in that book. And just like in this situation, I failed my way in this situation. I cried out to God, and God gave me wisdom about what to do and how to reclaim that missed opportunity. So if you're sitting here today and you've missed an opportunity, here's how you can reclaim that. God said to me, Doug, hey, what were you wondering when Ron said that? Because I find that when I get in touch with my curiosity and frame a question, I can walk back right back into a conversation, one question, and boom, we're right back into it. So a couple weeks later, we're sitting around again, and I said, here's what it sounded like. I said, hey, Ron, I meet a lot of people in my line of work who are pretty sure they're going to heaven. But I don't meet that many people who are sure they're going to hell, as it sounds like you are. Here was my question. Ron, I'm just wondering... Why are you so sure you're going to hell? He said, Doug, if you knew me, you wouldn't ask the question. I said, Ron, I don't know you, and I'm still wondering. See, wonder is, is the back door into people's hearts. It's, it's authentic. It's organic. And when people sense our sincerity, a lot of times they're, they're ready to engage at that level. Ron says, hey, you ever heard of the hell's angels? I said, I sure have. He said, let's just put it this way, Doug. I was in a biker gang, and I was one step below the angels. He said, I've been there and done it all. I'm thinking, I don't think I want to know what that means. So I did some listening. I said, Ron, it sounds like to me that you know you've done some things that you know God's not pleased with, and so you're just going to take it like a man. He looked at me, I don't know if he's a big Bruce Willis fan or what, but he says, damn straight, Doug, damn straight. Now, you maybe never heard your pastor cuss on stage before, and, and you might be really offended by that, but please, if you're offended by something like that, you're not going to have many conversations with people outside the church. I'm just sharing the story and telling you what he said. Because if we react to stuff like that, like, hey, man, this is my job site. Don't use language like that. That offends me. And uh, I said, well, Ron, here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if anybody has ever shared with you what Jesus has done so that instead of walking around like a dead man walking, instead of having a death sentence, you could have a life sentence. He said, no. And I said, could I share that with you? Church, you always, always, always want to ask for permission before you get invited into someone's sacred space and talk about spiritual things. You do not want to go somewhere that they're not ready to go. That's disrespectful. Ron said, sure, Doug, go for it. So in about a minute or a minute and a half, because I didn't want to oversupply and kill the demand, 
I stepped into Ron's life and I share with him how Jesus' perfection could cover over his imperfection and that he would cast his sins as far as the east is to the west and Ron could have a fresh start and a clean heart. Instead of a death sentence, he could have a life sentence. Here's what he said. I guess there is hope for me. Does that sound like the ball just got moved? Before the conversation started, no hope on a highway to hell. After the conversation, which only lasted about five minutes, Ron came away with like, maybe there's hope for me. Ron and I continued to have conversations on the job site. Eventually, the job was done and he moved on. Last year, I was doing a workshop in Cincinnati, sharing this story, and somebody came up afterwards and he goes, you know what? I think the guy you're talking about is in my Bible study. I said, what? He said, yeah. So we started comparing notes. And here, after 15 years later, Ron decided he too wanted to follow Jesus. God used me maybe as the, as the first part of the chain, but then I found out in Ron's story that he used other people along the way. And hey, there's good news in that church. You don't have to carry the ball the whole way down the field. Just be faithful to do what God has asked you to do, to, to show up and deliver his mail and be faithful to do that. Today, Ron is in a church worshiping just like you are. But 15 years ago, he was a long way away from God. And I got to believe there's some people in your life that today are a long way away from God. But in God's good plan, he wants to use you so that someday they might be up here giving testimony to how their life has been touched by Jesus Christ. You know what happened on that job site that day? God's space was created. You might wonder what God's space is. Here's a quick definition if you haven't read the book yet. What would it look like if you could create some space like this in your relational connections? I especially like the last one. Because when I think about California, I think, wow. Well, what would happen if Christianity became credible, relevant, plausible, and believable to some folks right now who do not have a place for this thing called church? I think they might if Christianity became credible, relevant, plausible, and believable. This afternoon, our whole workshop time is going to be spent on helping you deliver God's mail to the people on your route in practical, doable, and authentic ways. Everything we're going to talk about this afternoon, you will be able to pull off. This is not a, you know, a high ride, a high wire act only for people who've been to seminary or something like that. I've always believed that if God intended for us to be about this good work, that that we should be able to do it just like we are, right where we are, with the people who are on our route. I'm hoping that maybe you would choose to pick up a copy of the book and join us for this conversation this afternoon that I think will be a real game changer. Hey, let me close here in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for each person gathered here today. We're just mindful of the fact that we probably wouldn't want to be in this room apart from you sending mailmen into our lives. I know I wouldn't be here. I, I thank you for Ed, the young man who reached out to me when I was a junior at Kent State University and how you used Ed to just deliver your mail to my mailbox. 
and how faithful he was to do that and how you used that in my life to start me on the journey of walking with you. Thank you that everybody here today who knows Christ has a story like that and, and that you want to use us to be uh, bit players in other people's stories. Would you take these words today and grow people's sense of confidence and confidence? Would you do something in this church that years from now, there would just be a, a, a plethora of people who would say, I want to follow Jesus in obedience and be baptized in his name. Would you do this, Lord, for your glory? And we would certainly praise you and thank you for it. It's in your son's, Je your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.